0: Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition.
1: The older you get, this is going to sound crazy, but the more important your tenderness towards your wife is and it's easy because you know each other so well
2: welcome to family life today where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most i'm ann wilson
3: and i'm dave wilson and you can find us at familylifetoday.com or on our family life app
2: this is family life today
3: so we got the chance to go to church on sunday here in orlando with our son austin kendall and our four grandkids all sitting in front of us. Do you yeah. remember?
2: Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was
3: it was sort of fun to look at them in front of us and remember when we sat in church. Actually, I was always up on the stage, and you were yeah, sitting the church. Yeah, I was going to say,
2: I was sitting by myself.
3: Yeah. Well, here's the question. What do you remember about that service?
2: I remember watching our grandkids thinking, they're amazing. Yeah, and
3: then they went to kids,
2: you Yeah, know. after worship.
3: And so Austin and Kendall came back. Here's what I remember. And you probably didn't even see them. There was a couple... Up in front of them to the right that was older, I would guess mid-70s.
2: Oh, I saw them. Yeah.
3: They held hands the entire service.
2: service. Oh, you saw that? We never
3: even made a comment about it.
2: Look at you. But
3: here's the thing. I I hate to admit this. I don't remember a single thing the preacher said.
2: (laughs) But you remember the...
3: Which is probably what happened when I preached as well. But, (laughs) I mean, I don't remember much about the sermon or the music. I remember seeing a couple that I'm guessing has been married for decades, maybe three or four or five decades, who knows, still in love. At least it appeared they're still in because love.
2: Because they're holding hands. And what did you think about that?
3: I thought, you know, a couple on their wedding day is a beautiful thing. A couple married 40, 50 years still in love is more beautiful. mm they don't look as good. We don't look as good as we did on our wedding day. Because you but know. But it's more beautiful.
2: You know that they've had to endure a lot.
3: Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is we've got Robert Walgamuth back with us here at Family Life Today. And he wrote a book that sort of talks about finishing well. And that sort of was an image of that. So, Robert,
1: welcome back to Family Life Today. Oh, uh, Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Ann. And I love the story. I mm. love the story. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. But. Uh, I've been married to Nancy now for six years, and we hold hands all the time. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I look back on my life, my first marriage, after six years, I don't think I held hands like I do now. I've learned stuff. In fact, that's the chapter on marriage, and I'll tell you more about that. But why wouldn't you, every chance you get, to hold your wife's hand,
2: Okay, we're gonna have to get into that. I want to hear more about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Even Robert, when you sent me the book, I loved the image of the track on there, gun lap, staying in the race with purpose. Here's the funny thing, Robert. I've asked several people, you know, what they know about a gun lap, and they didn't even know what a gun lap was. I mean, not everybody knows that on the final lap of a race, in a track meet, the gun is shot, a blank, of course, but it signifies you're on the final lap. Obviously, you use that image and the track image on the front of the book to say how you finish really matters and the things that matter. And you you list several different things in the book. I just highlighted one of them. But talk about that a little bit. I mean, you you really do still hold hands, or it's actually something you
2: Well, I want to know, why are you doing it more now than before? <laughs> like, that's really interesting. Robert,
3: all she really wants to know is, can you get my husband to do it more? That's, <laughs> what I, that's where
1: I thought she was going. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the deal. I have, as you have talked already about, I have the experience of having been married almost 45 years and then saying goodbye to Bobby. And then falling in love all over again and really realizing that I'm not going to have 44 years this time. Mm. It's going to be compressed. And so actually, when Nancy and I were first dating, I said, so, okay, so let's say we get married and she was 57, had never married. They just let that sink in. Mm. She was 57, had never married. And actually, when I asked her to marry me, I said, I'd love for you to have the wedding of your dreams. And she looked at me and she said, I never dreamed about a wedding because <laughs> she felt called as a single woman to be a single woman in ministry her whole life. So I said, uh, all right, so what will our first argument? I, I may have said fight. And she looked at me and she said, do we have to fight? And I said, well, I don't know. I guess every couple does. She said, you know what? Maybe we don't have to fight. Well, here's the deal. When I got married the first time, I was 22. Bobby was 20. We were kids. Let me say that again. We were kids. And so we kind of grew up together. But did we fight? Yeah. Did we argue? Yeah. Were our voices raised at plaster-cracking decibels? <laughs> yes. 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 So now I'm 67, Nancy is 57, and we're grown-ups. We've done a lot of life. We've had failures. We've done life separately, of course. So I'm going to tell you that after six years of being married to Nancy, we've not agreed on everything. She's a very strong woman. And let me say that she would say that I'm a very strong man. So we don't agree, but we, we haven't fought. Why raise my voice? Why do that? I don't have to. I'm not a child. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> so the point is, the older you get, this is going to sound crazy, but the more important your tenderness towards your wife is. And it's easy because you know each other so well. And you may even have a backlog, skeletons in the closet. And it's hard to get rid of those bad guys. But this is a wonderful time. The story you just told, I love this. I can't wait to tell Nancy. Nancy that your kids, your son and daughter-in-law, sat and watched an older couple hold hands during church. Now, this isn't bragging. It's true. But if they had been sitting close to us in church, that's exactly what they would have seen. Mm. I never pass up an opportunity. Why would I? To hold Nancy's hand. This is a very sweet time. I mean, in terms of the affection that you're pouring on your wife. She's a responder. She was built to be a responder. So you as the man in the, in the relationship, you go first. I mean, I tell young men a lot in marriage relationships, you be the initiator. You go first. If it's making love or if it's picking stuff up off the floor, take the initiative, be the initiator. Your wife will be so thrilled when she sees that in you. The scripture calls that leadership in your home, right? That isn't just like sound of music with a little whistle and having your kids line up. It's serving. It's going first. It's the towel in the basin. That's an incredible thing to understand in your relationship with your wife during these later years.
3: Uh, one of the stories you tell in the chapter you wrote about marriage is, I, if I remember right, it was a friend that was at a marriage retreat with his wife, and the speaker said, hey, turn to your spouse and say, I love you. He says that to his wife, and his wife turns to him and says, I don't love you. And as I read that, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to end badly. And yet, talk about that, because he responded in a way that basically said, it's not over. You can do better starting right here, right?
1: He was acting like a grown-up. Yeah. It's back to the illustration I just gave. This is one of my closest friends. We text every day, Hmm. this man we're talking about right now. And this was exactly as you've described it. It was a marriage retreat. The leader said, you know, turn to your Mate, take her by the hand and say, I love you. And so Dave did this and his wife looked back at him. And I mean, it was eye to eye, no messing around. I don't love you. And, you know, for a man to hear that, Hmm. a man being competitive, a man wanting to win, you say, I'm out of here. I'll go find somebody else who will love me. And I said to him when he told me this story, I said, all right, so you went to that retreat. Was that a surprise? He said, I guess it was. I said, all right, Like on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you say your marriage was? He said, 7 or 8? Well, his wife would have said 1 or 2. In fact, Gary Smalley, do you remember Gary Smalley? Oh, sure. Gary Smalley, he actually counseled thousands. That sounds incredible, but thousands. You guys are probably way up there like that. And one of the things he says to each person, to the man he says, on a scale of 1 to 10, to the woman he says, on a scale of 1 to 10 – And as I remember him telling me this story, he said, in every single case, (laughs) the man gives it a higher number than the woman does. (laughs) So in this case, Dave's wife looked at him and said, I don't love you. And Dave tells me this story and says, I resolved to fix that problem. Instead of running from it, I decided I'm going to fix it. And the first thing he did, he didn't go to a seminar, what he did was he found an older married man. And he said to this man, here's what just happened to me, and I need some help with my marriage. This is both the mentoring chapter and the marriage chapter. This is pouring into a younger man or a more inexperienced man. So he found a man who I also know who was younger than he was. And that man poured his life into this younger man, Dave, in this case. And I'll tell you what, I see Dave and his wife a lot. And their tenderness toward each other is astonishing. But Dave got to the place where he realized, either I do this or I lose her. Either really I lose her, she walks out the door, or our relationship just becomes so stale, it's just humdrum. There's no joy in it. Hmm. So he did the right thing. He sucked it up, and he said, you know what, I can do better than this. Found an older man, a married man. Who helped him fix his marriage? It's an amazing story, but it's a gunlap story of an older man who who has experienced more experience, failure, victories from those failures, whatever, poured his life into a younger married man and said, "This is how you do this."
3: Yeah, and I thought as I read it, that's exactly how it hit me. It was inspiring. Yeah. I mean, Ann and I have shared in our in our vertical marriage book, the very same story in terms. I thought we were 10. She said we're a 0.5, not even, (laughs) not even a one. And, you know, it could have ended there, but it was like, oh my goodness, I've got to change this. And I I realized it had to go vertical first. My relationship with Christ had to be the foundation. I can preach it, but I had to live it. And then I had to work on the marriage, but, you know, you think about doing that in your 20s or 30s, but you don't think about doing that in your 50s and 60s. You just coast. And yeah. you wrote another story in there that also challenged me about just uh, how Bobby was such, your first wife, was such a woman of the word. And you realized that you were just spiritually lazy in the marriage.
1: Exactly and right. And
3: again, your your vulnerability there challenged me as I read it. I'm like, I can do the same thing. Yeah. And I can blame it on, well, you know, we've been married 40 years we're good rather than we've been married 40 years let's make the next 10 or 15 20 the oh. best
1: oh Let man do. preach it preach it brother go yeah the what the story I tell Bobby loved the word she didn't love the word so she could write a book she loved the word because she loved the word and the lord spoke to her early early every morning and so I'd walk by her chair And actually, that chair now is in my daughter's home, and she uses it for the same purpose. Mm. But I walked by that chair early, early in the morning. I'd go upstairs, study for a Sunday school class, write a couple chapters for a book. Then when Bobby stepped into heaven, I sat on that chair the morning after we buried her body. And I, I heard the Lord say to me, Robert, you're a lazy man. You have been letting your wife spend an hour every day or more in the word, in my presence, now it's time. Get that baton and pick it up and start running that track. And, and this isn't boasting. In fact, in many ways it's confessing. But maybe in my seven years since that day, I probably have missed 10 mornings, maybe even mm. less than that. And this is a gift I'm giving myself. Mm. So anyway, early in our relationship, um, after that experience on Bobby's chair, I thought, you know what? As I'm reading the Word, I'm going to just look for stuff to jump out at me, and I'm going to text it to Nancy. So every morning, including this morning, Nancy, when she wakes up, because she stays up late, I get up early, she probably has three or four Bible verses on her phone that the first thing she sees when she wakes up. (laughs) Uh, I would not have done that probably if I hadn't seen it, if I hadn't seen it every single day. And now my daughter gets to sit in that chair. So sometimes early in the morning, I'll text her and she'll be texting me Bible verses that inspired her that day sitting in her mom's
2: mm, chair. It's really sweet. I was intrigued, too, as I'm thinking about men getting older. And and you talk in your book about talking to your dad as he was getting older and you asked him how he was doing. And he said, just fine. And then you laid your hand on his hand, on the top of his hand. And then you said you just waited. And then he said, I feel useless. Yeah. And I was Mm -hmm. struck by that. And it made me wonder, because I've talked to other men that have a sense of loss Mm. and feel useless. Yes. So you talk about that a little bit. And you even talk about, in the middle of the night, having those ponderings, Mm. you know. And I thought, (laughs) oh, that's so interesting, because... You think that only happens to younger people that are asking those questions like, am I worthwhile? Is there significance to my life still? Talk about that a little bit, Robert.
1: Back to my daddy. I'll never forget it. And it happened just exactly as you described. And I remember him looking at me and saying that word, useless. I'll never, ever, ever forget it. And I knew what he meant. In fact, the previous night, we had had a, like a little family reunion. Well, there's no such thing as little family reunion with my family. And it was noisy, and there were little kids running around, and the the older kids were comparing notes on technology. And uh, you know what? It really is easy to feel lost in that setting. And I remember my dad sitting quietly. I mean, there was no way he was going to engage about the latest movie or the latest musicians or the latest technology, the latest software. He just sat quietly. So it was the next morning that I had this conversation with him. And that's why he was feeling useless. He felt like out of it. And and so I I said, you know, you can pray for your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids. I said that you can pray for them. And he looked at me and he said, I do. I can see him smile. He said, Mm -hmm. I do every day. I said, Dad, that's the most important. I don't care how old you are or how useless you feel. That's the most important gift you could possibly give your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. And I can see him smile to realize, you know what, I'm not useless. I can bring these kids, as tired and feeble as I might feel, to the throne of grace every Mm -hmm. single day. So that was that. Now, to the late-night conversations that you have, in fact, that chapter is called Self-Conversation. And I think that's an older man's nemesis. In fact, this was one of the inspirations to write this book. I'm lying in bed, and Dave, you'll know that no man our age goes the whole way through the night without getting up at least once. I don't know what you're talking about, Robert. (laughs) Yes, you do. You're lying to me right now. Yes, I am. (laughs) So you go back, and you crawl back in bed, and you're trying to go right back to sleep, and you can't. And so these things begin to pop up in your brain. And I found myself being very critical of myself Hmm. and looking back over the previous day with regret, maybe something foolish that I had said to a friend or maybe something I didn't follow up that I should have, whatever, whatever. And so I'm listening to myself and that's not good stuff. And so I bumped into a great quote. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh preacher of the previous century, wrote this very thing. And he said, don't listen to yourself, talk to yourself. Hmm. And I realized in the Psalms, the Psalms are filled with David, King David, the psalmist David, imploring the Lord to speak to him, to not just listen to these voices. They may be good, they may be demons, but speak back to yourself. You say, you know what, I can do better than that. I'm not going to listen to that voice. I'm going to hear myself say the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm not going to be subject to the voices that I hear. In fact, one of the most graphic conversations I've had since writing this book was with a colleague, a former colleague. And this man was brilliant, trained, smart. I mean, I had clients who are very smart, writing really deep, heady books. And this guy kept up with them. And I said, I haven't talked to you for a while. How are you? He took a deep breath, just like I just did. And he said, I woke up this morning and my first thought was, there's no reason for me to live. Mm. I can't tell you guys how shocked I was to hear that, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. When you get to the place where you can't do, and men are doers, right? You can't do what you used to do. Those demons come in and say what my dad said, you're useless. You used to be productive, like what have you done lately you're useless and that's exactly what my friend was saying to me and I'll tell you for days i prayed for him i sent him texts i tried to encourage him but that's not uncharacteristic of men our age you know you've finished doing your productive stuff you retired you got the gold watch you got the party and now you're looking at life and saying what's next what am i going to do in fact the actuarial tables has men dying after they retire like crazy because mm-hmm. they look at their lives and say, I used to get my self-esteem from what I did. Now I can't do anything. Why should I live?
3: Mm. Well, Robert, let me say for Ann and I, as we wrap up, way to finish well. Hmm. I mean, you're not done, but as you wrote in Gunlap, you're on that final lap. It could be a long one. It could be a shorter one. We don't know. But there's so many, you know this as well as anybody, who started well. Who may have run well in the middle of the race. In, and I'm thinking of Christian leaders, of authors, of mm. influencers, as you and I know, who did not finish well. And you are finishing well. And it's a uh. model for all of us. We mm. need role models that don't quit, that don't even get mediocre. You know, I mean, if you're going to finish a two mile race, that last lap matters. You got to prepare and be train so that you can run as strong in that last lap as you did in the first and you're modeling that for all of us so Uh, from just one man to another thank you way to go
1: uh thank you thank you dave
3: thanks
2: robert we really appreciate you in all ways
1: thank you Anne.
0: the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you need some practical help in your relationship and aren't quite sure where to turn? We offer relationship checkups where you will meet with one of our trained relationship coaches who will help equip you with some new tools while you take a more holistic look at your relationship. For more information, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website, families.powertochange.org.au under the Need Help tab and get started today. Have a great weekend and please join us on Monday at the same time for another edition of Family Life Today.